So this is a Sunday. I mean, Maywood's over 100 years old, and we've not had this exact sort of a day before. Um, but the most powerful emotion that I keep seeing all week long and feeling all week long, uh, you know, the word I would use uh, is sad. Like, it's just it's three letters, right? But uh, I'll take you through a few pieces of it. Um, when that pipe burst and it started flooding into the kids' area, I saw a long-term church member, a man who I've, I've – I saw him the most sad I've ever seen him. Uh, it was kind of shocking because he's not a very emotional person. And he talked about how sad it was to see that kid's space getting messed up. Um, and then some superstar volunteers, we kind of quickly tried to call anybody we knew that had a wet pack. Uh, the professional company that came later thought we were ridiculous the way we were trying to clean up the kids' area, but had a whole bunch of wet vacs going, and then we were eating tacos after that. And there were several people eating tacos down in the kids' area once we had done what we could do. And there were several people sitting at that table that had literally put in hundreds of hours into the volunteer space, like in the last six months. Like, there's, it's pretty nuts. Uh, half a dozen or so people, like, it was almost like a full-time job for them. Like, they were up there a crazy amount. And they they weren't, like, a, de- a depressed crowd, but there was, like, a weight of sadness, like, as you worked so hard on something, and then, like, it gets ruined pretty fast, right? And uh, ruined is an overstatement, but, yeah. But that's how it feels in that moment, right? Um, and I was talking about it within 24 hours to somebody, and I used the word, it was a tragedy. And when it came out of my mouth, I felt like that was the wrong word to use. And I didn't use it again, because I just realized like it still was only stuff, even though it was a lot of work. Um, I'm going to skip over something and come back to it. Yesterday, I was at my dad's. I was having a rough day, and... Uh, my dad had had a rough week. He's, he's got stage four cancer. I've got to stay away from that. Um, he has stage four cancer, and he was feeling so bad all week, I didn't get to see him until yesterday. He was having a good day. And so Christy was gracious, like, why don't you go down? I'll watch the kids. You just go down and hang out with your parents. Um, but by the time I got, got there, uh, some doctor's note had gotten a little confusing. So the pharmacy wouldn't give him his medicine that day. And... Uh, couldn't get a hold of the doctor till Monday. It was just, he was stressed and angry and my mom was super sad. And uh, it was just a crummy day, you know, as a family. It was good for me to be able to be there, uh, try to be the adult kid buffer a little bit, you know. Um, and that was just a super small thing, right? Uh, the big thing, the real tragedies in the middle of the week, um, you know, Thursday night, some of you already know this, uh, Sam and one of our teenagers passed away. And uh, I know the youth are going through a lot. Like I was chatting with them just a little bit, a few of the youth today. And Coach Rachel is going to be upstairs, like at the end of the service, uh, for youth to stick around and start talking, you know. Um, and I talked with April Thursday night. Um, talked with her again yesterday. Uh, Samuel's mom, April, uh, who normally sings up here. Uh, And, like, it puts everything else 
into a whole different perspective, right? Because it's a whole different level. Even talking to my dad yesterday, he was grumpy that I shared that story, and he kind of, I mean, he's got pancreatic cancer, and he's like, oh, well, what it's, you know, that's, that's a big deal. You know, I could put even him in a different spot. Um, so here's the bizarre thing. There's all that weight. I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm married to Christy. Like, even just the kids' area sadness, it wasn't like just while we're eating tacos. It's uh, you know, sadness is just it's a reality. And somebody you love, it, life's different, right? Um, so there's all these different little aspects. And then, but here's the strange thing: is I'm also reading John chapter 20, what we're about to read today. I'm getting ready to preach on it, so I'm reading it during the week. And there's these moments during the week. where I had a lot of peace. And it's one of those things where there's almost a feeling of like, I shouldn't have this sort of peace because of all this stuff that's going on. And then there are even times where I was singing in my car or something and feeling a lot of joy. And a piece of you, if, I'm sure we've all been in this spot, a piece of you feels wrong for not being like Eeyore every second. Right? It feels like I must be a terrible person if I can be singing a song while this is all going on or something. And uh, you guys probably aren't poetry people. I've not read a lot of poetry. But uh, one time I was struggling with the death of somebody I loved. And uh, I came across this poem uh, by Robert Frost. You can look it up. It's, you can find it online. It's called Reluctance. And it talks about that same feeling. That like it feels like you're betraying somebody if you let if you don't feel sad like if you let go even in a moment it feels like a betrayal kind of like you didn't really love them or something um, and the truth is like that's um, as Christians there's never a moment where there's not hope because of what I'm about to read. So it doesn't mean we don't have sadness. It doesn't mean the sadness can't like cripple our day or change our plans. Uh, It doesn't mean we have to perform at some level. But um, I came downstairs Friday morning, um, pretty tired. Daniel and Rachel and Mike Several of us have been up at the hospital with April and the family late Thursday night. And uh, one of the first things my son does, he gets, he's, my son and I are normally the first ones up in our house. It's still dark outside. He starts singing this song that he must have learned here about peace like a river. You know, like that's. And it was good. And like it's easy to push it aside. Um, so God gives us good things and we get to choose whether we hold on to them or not. So the best thing, even with all, all the good and bad of this week, the best thing that's been happening is I've been reading this John 20 thing. And we're going to get to a verse here. There's a lot of verses in the Bible that tell us about what Jesus did for us one of these verses is in this passage. Like, here's the good news from Jesus. 
And like, I'm not telling like, oh, if you read this verse and accept it, you're just going to have a smile on your face all the time. That's not how it works. But things never get totally dark if you hold on to what Jesus did for us. So we've all been in a pretty dark area and had some sort of flashlight or some sort of light, and it's a whole different experience, right, uh, than totally dark. So we're going to read this passage. Some of you came in today and you're like, man, I'm having a good day. You know, like we have big windows. I like this place better than Maywood maybe. I don't know. You know, like we had good coffee or whatever. So some of us are having a good week, and some of us are having maybe, maybe the worst week you've ever had in your whole life. So, I mean, we're, we're a family, and we're in different spots. But I believe there's not a person in here that doesn't have something to learn about what Jesus did for us. Like it can be deeper. It can be more trusted, right? So as we read this, I'm going to tell you more about it. I'm going to give you like a here's what Jesus did for us. And then we're going to talk about a prequel thing and a sequel thing. But it could be enough for you to just open your heart up to what the Bible has for us today. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to ask Jesus to show himself to us. And then we're going to read it nice and slow, because maybe not everybody has a Bible in front of them. And while I'm reading it nice and slow, open your heart up the most it's going to be open today to this. Like if, I'd like your heart to be open the whole time I'm talking, but this is really good all by itself with Jesus' help. Okay, so let's pray. Jesus, we need you, but also, Jesus, we have our hope in you, and so we're coming to you right now. We're not okay by ourselves, but we're also coming to you with hope that you're enough for us, and so please come and show us what you've done for us. Help us to trust the good news about you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So John chapter 20. Uh, uh, if you don't have a Bible and you want a Bible, stick your hand up. We've got Tim and Joseph are going to help you out. So just hold your hand up until you get a Bible. But it's John chapter 20, and uh, we're going to start in verse 11. So we're going to be reading verse 11 through 18. I'm going to read it nice and slow for us. I'm not going to give us any commentary until we're done, right? So let's have, have open hearts. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, 
Tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. There's a lot in that. The part that jumped off the page to me that was just like, Like food to my soul this week. I mean, just what a statement from Jesus, verse 17. Don't hold on to me. I've not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So when Mary encounters resurrected Jesus, right out of the gate, there's some stuff that's hard to understand. Some of us think like, oh yeah, I, I know everything about Jesus, and then he rose from the dead. If you don't have any mystery, if you don't have anything, you're like, oh, that thing about Jesus, like, I don't fully understand it. If the Jesus you know fits within what you can understand, if he's that small, then you certainly have not seen all there is to see about Jesus. Like, this statement, I don't, I'm your pastor, I can't fully explain. Like, what is Jesus talking about? Because in a little bit, he's going to encourage everybody, like, here, touch me, feel me, like, realize I'm a resurrected body. Physically, his body had gotten up from the spot that it was. I don't exactly understand why he's saying to Mary, like, don't touch me. I got to go ascend to the Heavenly Father. But, you know, it's okay to not fully understand everything about Jesus. And if you're in a spot where it's been a long time since you encountered Jesus in a way that you don't fully understand, I would encourage you to be hungry for more of Jesus. Because you're not experiencing all that Jesus wants. And some of us think we know this next phase. Like, oh yeah, that's not news to me. Jesus says, tell my brothers. So these are the same guys that after following him around and pledging their lives to him, they left him when things got really hard. They all ran away. Jesus got put on a cross, and these men were not right there by his side. They were scared. If you have ever let somebody down when things got tough, and then they come back to you right away and call you their brother, like that's the amount of grace that you know right away, like I don't deserve to be called that. Like no matter how much pride you have, when you betray somebody and they still want to call you brother, you know, like, that's better than I deserve. Jesus could have come to us and said, like, I'm still willing for you to be my servants. Like, that would have still been grace, right? To treat us like slaves would have still been grace to us, right? The gospel is that Jesus wants you to be his sibling. And then he says, to my father and your father. Like, Jesus isn't just saying, 
come live forever. He's saying, come live forever in the same relationship with God that I have. That's what the gospel is. We talk about as Christians, we've got good news. The good news is, like, Jesus wants you to be his family. Some of you are ashamed of your past, and that's because you accurately see your past. Like, if we're not ashamed of our past, it's because we, we didn't really pay attention to the truth, right? Like, we all, I have stuff to be ashamed of, and I, I don't know all of you well, but I, I know all of us well enough, right? Like we all got stuff to be ashamed of. But the truth of the gospel is, like, Jesus really knows the worst, grimiest parts. From Justin in the back to me in the front and everybody in between, right? And he sees you and says, I want you to be sitting at the table next to me at our big family meal. I want to stand next to you, and I'm going to work with you until there's nothing left to be ashamed of. Like Hebrews tells us that Jesus isn't ashamed to be called our sibling, right? To call you his sister or his brother. And I can tell you, Jesus will start wherever we're at and he will push us until we act like we're his family, right? Like you're signing up for transformation, right? You're signing up for Jesus to change who you are, right? But the grace is that he doesn't give up on us. The grace is that he wants better for us than we want for ourselves. And so if you're in the room today and you're like, man, I don't feel peace inside of my heart. I don't feel hope inside of my heart. I don't feel like I want to treat people like God treats people. At least have the hope to be better to other people. If you're not feeling that, like you're not close to Jesus, not as close as you can be. It doesn't take hours or years any one of us can say to Jesus, I need your help, and I want your life inside of me. We can get the next step. can start before you leave this room. Don't leave this room without feeling like Jesus is my brother. I can talk to you. Half the room can talk to you. But don't leave the room without that. If you're here today and you're like, I know Jesus, but I'm not as close to Jesus as I want to be. Well, there's two things in this passage about Mary, and we need both of them, okay? So how many of you in the room today, you're like, I know Jesus, but I'm not as close to Jesus as I want to be, right? If you're not raising your hand, like, uh, keep sticking around us, right? You know, like, we're, you know, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but stick around. Like, we want you here. So, uh, if you raised your hand, though, here's two things for you. Did you notice Mary? I mean, she's probably crying. She's really upset. She loves Jesus. That's why she's there. She's there when most, when literally nobody else is, actually. But did you notice she missed two angels talking to her? And she misses resurrected Jesus talking to her at first. And did you notice what was going on? Uh, She's not even really looking at Jesus if you paid attention. Jesus says, like, why are you crying? She says in verse 13, or sorry, verse 15, I want to just get a little insight. Second half, Jesus says, who are you looking for? She misses it. She says, thinking Jesus was the gardener, 
She said, sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Here's the deal. If you're not very close to Jesus, could it be that you're thinking too much and you're doing too much? No, too much. Like she's already trying to solve the problem of Jesus' dead body. And so she's missing living Jesus right in front of her. And some of us are stuck in, I've got my problems, and I'm going to work real hard to fix the mess. And when I'm done with it, it's still going to be depressing and sad and terrible, but it's going to be a little bit tidier. Like, that's how a lot of us operate our lives. Like, we're trying to be good, but our goodness has a cap of our own thinking and our own abilities. And so we're rushing around trying to bury Jesus, and he's right in front of us saying, like, I'm alive. And that's easy to be like, oh, yeah, no, for Mary. What does it look like for you, right? So, like, I'm with some other Maywood people Saturday night. Like, we're praying. Even though there's some really bad news about Samuel, we didn't have exactly all the facts. We're praying for him to live, right? And then when you get the facts and, like, he, our exact prayers weren't answered the way we wanted them to, right? Then you start praying again, like, Jesus, what's the next thing you want us to do, right? But there shouldn't... If somebody doesn't know Jesus and they have the exact same solutions that you have to the problems around you, like, something's wrong. Like, if we know somebody who rose from the dead and said, I've got all power and all authority... And I'm with you when you're helping other people know me. Like, we should have some stuff on our solutions that's different than somebody that doesn't have any hope. So think about the stuff that you have really thought about this week and really worked on this week. And, like, did you have a Jesus level? Or was it just the same sort of thing that somebody who's not in church today but is kind of a nice person, like, would they have come up with the same plan? Because she misses Jesus. At first, right? Here's the nice thing, though. Jesus doesn't just ditch her, right? Like, Jesus is really patient. If you've been around him at all, like, I can attest to it. Like, Jesus is very patient. We're doing our best, and we're making a mess. He will stick around and call our name out. You know, he'll shake us and be like, look, I'm right here in front of you. He does that. He calls her by name, right? So our prequel was, if you're not seeing enough of Jesus, I'll just say it more clearly, maybe slow down on your best ideas in all this effort, and look for Jesus. She turns towards Jesus and everything changes. And if you've been thinking a lot and doing a lot, but you're not doing a lot of looking for Jesus, then you need to look for him. If you're like, I don't know how to look for him. Wednesday nights, hopefully we'll be together. We'll be talking about scuba. There's other people who do other things, right? Do your best effort to say, like, I'm stopping everything I'm doing right now. And I'm going to try to look at Jesus. And if you don't know how to do it, like, grab somebody and be like, how do you do it? Right? And just, it's okay to copy. Like, this isn't English class or something or math class. Like, copy somebody who knows what they're doing and try it. Right? Here's our next thing. Here's the sequel. If Jesus rose from the dead and says, I want to be a family member with everybody. I want Jesse to be at the table with me forever, talking to God just like I talk to God. I want Wayne to be in heaven with me forever, talking to God like I talk to God. I want that connection for Mallory, everybody. The person you see on the street with one flip-flop and all twitchy and talking about the FBI's after him. Like, 
that person. Like Jesus wants that person at the table, right? So if we really believe that, here's what Jesus has for us to do. What happens at the end here? Jesus tells this lady, and she's got a crazy past, if you look in the Gospels, right? He tells this lady, go tell these other guys what you've seen and heard from me. This is the basics of Christianity. We have an encounter with Jesus alive. And then we tell other people about what Jesus did for us. It, it's, it's not really a complicated thing. If you've had a real experience with Jesus, then you really need to tell somebody else about it. You don't have to dress it up. We all have people, if you've been following Jesus, that you like really have a burden for. Right? You don't have to come up with like a mastermind plan on how to help them do everything they need to do to get right. You do need to go to the people God puts in your life and be open with them. Here's what I've experienced with Jesus. And if you're like, well, my stories aren't that cool. Well, you can just tell that to Jesus. Like, Jesus, I'm going to tell people what you do in my life. And if you want bigger stories, that do bigger things. Like, leave. If your stories aren't big enough, like, that's God's problem, right? Like, God can fix that, right? If that's a real problem. Right? You just tell the things that Jesus has done in your life. If it feels really small, like Jesus helped you out with a parking space or whatever, like Jesus will put the right person in your life or he'll do bigger stuff. But if you just are faithful to whatever Jesus shows up and does in my life, I'm not going to be ashamed of it. If someone doesn't want to hear it, you don't have to keep sharing it, right? But don't assume the polite, right thing to do is to not talk about it. Assume the right thing to do is to be open with what Jesus has done for you. You're going with that assumption. What's fresh with Jesus and have it on the tip of your tongue, right? And if we're doing that, then we're, we're trusting Jesus. Because for Mary, she has this amazing experience, but then think about what it was like for her to walk back and talk to those guys. It doesn't take a historian to know that single lady who has a crazy past going into a room full of men, telling them they're all wrong, that something supernatural and wonderful has happened, even though they think everything's bad. I mean, that's kind of intense, right? Whoever you're worried to talk about, I, it might not be as intense as that, right? She had to trust that what she experienced with Jesus was real. And you know that she did trust enough because she went and talked to them about it. Like if we really believe in Jesus, a piece of that really believing is trusting that he really did talk to us. The belief that John talks about in the Gospel of John, like it's a belief that changes what we do because we trust Jesus. And so if you're not getting all your actions right, the first step isn't to try to like make sure you don't say anything wrong. The first step is to really spend some time with Jesus and to really talk through with Jesus like, Jesus, do I trust you? Because you don't have to control whether your cousin knows him or not. You don't have to control uh, whether your 
ex and the mom of your kids is going to figure stuff out or whatever. Like you don't have to, all, you don't have to fix all the outcomes. You do have to trust that like Jesus has done something real in me, and my job is to be real with the people around me. That there is hope. So this week, my guess is there's going to be something hard, and there's going to be a time where Jesus shows up in your life and gives you something good. You don't have to fix all your emotions, but don't trash the good stuff that Jesus gives for you. Don't feel ashamed of the good stuff you have with Jesus. Share the good stuff Jesus is doing and take your real self to Jesus. Like Mary's a crying mess who's missing all sorts of signs in her life. But it all works out because she's spending time with Jesus. You don't have to have all the answers. You can even be dead wrong on a lot of stuff this week. But if you will look to Jesus and share what he does in your life, that you're going to be on the right path. You're going to be with him. And I literally don't even know where we're going to be together next week. But I do have this hope that like God wants to do something through Maywood this week, even if we don't have a building. And it's not because of me, it's because of us together, right? Like Jesus is going to do stuff in our life, and if we'll share it with other people, he's going to spread that gospel to other people. I want to pray a blessing over you, and then I want to remind you all, if you've got a teenager, like have them talk with Rachel. On Wednesday night, I think they're going to do, we don't even know where, but they're going to try to do an activity as well. If you know somebody that's hurting, it's good to open that door to say, like, I see you, I care about you, right? You don't have to force yourself on people, but that's a good step to somehow express, like, I see you, I care about you. And then when God gives you an opportunity with anybody, whether it's a quick trip or if it's the boss that is always riding you all the time, right, you just openly share a little bit of what Jesus has done in your life. You just see where it takes you. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to pray over the Delaware and Kansas City Underground and these different small house churches that meet here in Church of the Four Corners. God, I thank you for how Brandon and Courtney have blessed us and their vision to try to be a blessing in this neighborhood. Jesus, the same measure they've blessed us with this week, I pray you would bless them. They've been so generous to host us, and I pray, Jesus, that you would bless their ministry, and their business. Jesus, we pray for every family that's hurting this week. We pray for your light in the darkest times. And Jesus, we pray for each one of us to trust you that you're real and to have the courage ourselves to share you with someone else this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.